Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And if this is, of course, the Ebola Real Estate Channel. <laughs> no, I'm Ew. kidding. <laughs> Ew, right? Wipe your phone. No, I, yeah. I'm just I'm making fun of us for having done that show the other day. And, uh, you know, the fact is it's become one of our most listened to radio shows that we've ever wow. done. I don't know, well, Mr. Producer, if you actually look. Yeah, if you ever if you looked at the stats, but you guys were worried about the whole Ebola thing. We did the radio show on it, even though I was nervous about doing it, and you liked the the conversation, the topic. But here's here's a thought for all of you: on the radio show, we were predicting what would happen, and it wasn't even within what a day or two after that that what we were predicting started to happen. I mean, some guy even came out with a supplement called Ebola C that's supposed to help you prevent you know not get Ebola. I mean, guys, the hype is just getting started. Trust me when I tell you that it's going to get really noisy. Everyone's going to be, you know, quote-unquote worried about Ebola. It's going to become the topic du jour of next 90 to 120 days, and then it's just going to fade like all the other types of trendy things do. Be mindful of it because it's a real, you know, health problem, but the reality of it is it's a probability whoever, you know, having anything to do with it is about zilch, but that doesn't mean that people aren't going to worry about it. So, Listen to that radio show because we give you some uh, some strategies on how to keep your mindset uh, correct, how to keep your mindset in the place where you can be of service to others and you know obviously make money for yourself and your family, and uh, how you can help others do the same. Your clients, how they you know some of them are going to get stressed and strained because of the whole Ebola thing. Anyway, that was the other day's topic, and today's topic is yet another controversial topic. So today's topic, Julie, is. Well, today's topic, I'm looking for your title because I have what you're reading to me. Having Americans, to do, yes. I got go it. Ahead. I got it. Americans face post foreclosure hell. How about well, that? That's so, not yeah, another dramatic. That's right. So, uh, what is this about? Well, obviously, the, uh, you know, now that everyone's feeling a bulk of the real estate crashes behind us, and yes, I realize that states like Florida and New York and you know, a lot of the other, you know, Midwest states are still suffering from a good percent of underwater owners. The fact is, is that now that, what was it, yesterday we learned from Homes.com, the vice president, um, Andy, he was sharing with us, Andy Woolley, he's sharing with us that uh, they track 300 major markets and a full third of those markets are now uh, reappreciated to the point where they were at, where the values were where they were post-crash. So that's good, Right. So it's safe to say that people are feeling more optimistic about real estate, but that doesn't mean that there's still not literally millions of underwater owners. Some people say 10 million. Some people say you know, upwards to 20 million if you count those that are near underwater. So in many people's lives, and many even maybe even your life, the foreclosure crisis is still here, still present, and uh, still affecting you or still affecting a majority of your clients. Regardless of where you are in the country, you just need to be aware of the uh, goings-on now in this sort of post uh, housing crash world. There's a lot of um, 
you know, articles you're going to start seeing. We always try to focus you guys on what to expect next for housing. Well, the next surge you're going to hear people talking about are deficiency judgments. Uh, Julie and I researched this. Uh, one of you, actually one of our students, I believe, emailed me a link to this article. And um, actually, I remember it was Michael in New Jersey. And so that article in particular got me started on my research project for the past few days, finding out really what was going on with deficiency judgments, whether the banks were actually pursuing them, or whether or not this was just one of those things, again, that people like to get worried about and there's nothing really behind it. So before we get to today's topic, because Julie and I pulled out the essence of what you guys need to know, um, and again, know this before everyone else starts talking about it, and it'll keep you guys ahead of the curve. That's kind of what we specialize in. But before we get to that, Julie, I've had a lot of coaching calls today. I know you've had a lot of coaching calls mm -hmm. today. Anything interesting you pulled from any of them, from any of your great students around the country? Yes. I have detected that... You know, there's this collective unconscious that everybody wants this new boom, and you know we're seeing some bubbling up of that. But there's also markets, as you said, that still have uh, distressed property, and we also are seeing increased inventory in some places. So this is causing our great listing agents to have a have to have it together on an even higher level. Things like actually knowing what the list to sell price ratio is in the neighborhood of the listing you're going to, and not over promising and under delivering. Just because the last time you sold a house there, it took 22 seconds with multiple offers, doesn't necessarily mean you should be promising that to your next seller. Meanwhile, maybe there's three new listings that came up. You've got to be more careful on pricing, days on the market, and what you're promising the seller. Setting the seller's expectations is a big theme for my coaching clients this week. Well, you know what I had? I probably had this conversation four times today, um, mm -hmm. and it was trying to use different tactics to keep people motivated, agents motivated. And I have to say, a lot of you guys, uh, personal students especially, you know, private coaching clients of our company, you guys have a lot of times had these fantastic years. And I get the fact that you kind of want to coast the rest of the year. I totally understand right. the desire to take some downtime. You certainly deserve it. Um, you know, we did a call the other day, a radio show the other day, where we talked about basically your 90-day massive action plan. Go back and listen to that. There's another really well-received radio show. But here's the bottom line. You've got to be thinking in terms of what you do today or what you don't do today, how that's going to affect you in the future. I'll give you an example. So, you know, you have a contact with a seller today. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter who, doesn't matter, period. So between the actual initial contact with that seller and then, you know, setting the listing appointment, pre-qualifying the seller, going on the appointment, then let's say you take the appointment, then going through the photographing and the initial marketing and the open housing and all the rest of it. And then the negotiating and the this and the that and the other and the closing and da 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 da. You guys have a really skewed vision and ver in your mind of how long it actually takes from that contact to close. In other words, how long it actually takes between that initial contact with that that client and when you get your paycheck. You guys seem to think in your heads that it's 30 to 60 days. All of our great clients in New York State, you know, you guys have attorney control closings, so you guys are used to having 90-day closings. But I'm here to tell you. This time of year, with the holidays, with all the other normal headwinds and the abnormal headwinds, you're realistically going to be looking at a six-month time frame between your initial contact and when you're going to get your paycheck. So, you know, I did, again, I had three or four calls today with students who had made more money than they've ever made before in a year and feeling mm -hmm. fat and happy, as they should. Then I started asking them, so how much money are you making? Uh, how many closings do you have six months from now? Well, none. Five months from now, none. Four months from now, none. 90 days from mm -hmm. now, well, I might have one. Okay. So 
in your the closings that you've had most recently, when was the last time you contacted these guys? I mean, when, I'm sorry, when was the first time you had contact with that prospect before they even became a client, a seller or a buyer? Mm-hmm. And they went back and they realized it was 120 days ago, five months ago, you know. So looking forward, the contacts that you make today are the ones that are going to pay you in the spring, which is the whole reason why we have been doing our best to grab a hold of you guys, shake your heads, you know, do whatever it took to get you to realize that your 2015 has already begun. It began October 1st because of the fact that there's, on average, going to be a five- to six-month pay cycle. What you do today gets you paid in five to six days. Get it? Do you understand why it's very hazardous to your financial health to be coasting this time of year? Do you realize how the contacts you make now are the ones that are going to get you paid in the spring? So do the future you a favor and don't stop working. If you've had a fantastic year, you've got the momentum, you've got the wind at your back, please don't turn around because that wind's going to blow you right on your butt. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about deficiency judgments and, and, and basically what's to be believed and what's not. According to the National Association of Realtors, only 10% of agents complete an amazing 90% of all transactions because they have a coach. If you want the production and performance that comes with being a top producer, then you need one too. Not just any coach, but the leaders in coaching today, Tim and Julie Harris. Don't just take our word for it. Listen to what HGTV star and Atlanta top producer Colette McDonald has to say. Hi, my name is Colette McDonald, and I'm with Remax in Atlanta, Georgia. I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to Tim and Julie Harris. I've been a coaching client of theirs for the last four years. When I first started in this business 12 years ago, I was very successful, did a great amount of business, averaged between 8 and $10 million a year. When I contracted with Tim and Julie to be my graduate-level coaches, my production increased by 20% per year. I am now trending 30 million this year. That's amazing results over four years of working with Tim and Julie Harris. I highly recommend them. Tiger Woods has a coach. And why does he have a coach? Because he can't see his swing. If you do what they tell you to, you will see huge results. I am living proof. Only Tim and Julie Harris provide powerful one-on-one coaching along with all the lead generation systems, scripts, presentations, team building, and business planning tools you need to dominate your real estate market. We offer affordable pricing with no long-term contracts, and our entire coaching staff are trained professional agents with top producing track records. Take action now and visit us online at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. There's no risk, no obligation, just a free, personal, one-on-one call with a trained professional coach. Join the elite 10% of agents who make all the difference in today's market. Visit freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. 
All right, so we're going to jump right back in. Now, what Julie's about to read you are three sections from three different sources that I found when researching today's radio show. Um, and really, I want you to listen to what she's saying, and then we're going to discuss it. Okay? So, Julie, go right ahead. But remember, guys, these are from three different, you know, these three different paragraphs are from three different sources that I found when researching this, three different credible sources. So it's going to give you, you know, so if the, two, if the three paragraphs don't flow perfectly, that's just the way it goes. Go ahead, Jules. Yes, so pay attention, guys. It's important stuff. Many thousands of Americans who lost their homes in the housing bust but have since begun to rebuild their finances are suddenly facing a new foreclosure nightmare. Debt collectors are chasing them down for the money they still owe by freezing their bank accounts, garnishing their wages, and seizing their assets. By now, banks have usually sold the houses, but the proceeds of those sales were often not enough to cover the amount of the loan, plus penalties, legal bills, and fees. The two big government-controlled housing finance companies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, as well as other mortgage players, are increasingly pressing borrowers to pay whatever they still owe on mortgages they defaulted on years ago. Using a legal tool known as deficiency judgment, lenders can ensure that buyers are haunted by these zombie-like debts for years and sometimes decades to come. Before the housing bubble, banks often refrained from seeking deficiency judgments, or, which were seen as costly and an invitation for bad publicity. Some of the biggest banks still feel that way. So, Tim, I'll continue if you're cool. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, good. So three of the well, biggest mortgage loans. Be, before you do, it, yeah, so it, remember, guys, that, that was a headline from Yahoo News. Okay, so that sounds very, yeah. very scary, right? Okay, now that I did some more research and I found these next two excerpts. Go ahead, Jules. Okay, so three of the biggest mortgage lenders, Bank of America, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase and & Company, and Wells, and Fargo, Wells Fargo & Company, all say that they typically do not pursue deficiency judgments, even though they reserve the right to do so. We may pursue them on a case-by-case basis, looking at a variety of factors, including investor and mortgage insurer requirements, the financial status of the borrower, and the type of hardship, said Wells Fargo spokesman Tom Goida. The banks would not comment on why they avoid deficiency judgments. Perhaps the most aggressive among the debt pursuers is Fannie Mae. Of the 595,128 foreclosures Fannie Mae was involved in, either through owning or guaranteeing the loans from January 2010 through June 2012, it referred 293,134, so about half, to debt collectors for possible pursuit of deficiency judgments, according to a 2013 report by the Inspector General for the agency's regulator, the Federal Housing Finance Agency. Okay, so now, let me jump in. Yeah, so let me ahead. jump in before you get to the last bit. Sure. Okay, so here's what we know, right? We know that, first of all, um, Fannie Mae, essentially, for less than 300000 of their loans, is uh, has sent their, uh, essentially, def- the files to debt collectors with the idea that maybe they'll pursue them for deficiency judgments. So in the scheme of things, of the millions and millions of homes that have gone to foreclosure, it's a tiny, tiny amount. Okay, that's what we know. We also know that the big banks said they're not going to be pursuing foreclosures. I'm sorry, not going to be pursuing deficiency judgments. Those two things we know. Now what Julie's going to read to you next is how basically the IRS treats deficiency judgments. And this is very interesting that you guys understand this. Again, we're doing the show today because I'm quite confident that within the next 90 to 120 days, everybody in the real estate you know, world is going to be talking about deficiency judgments. And they're going to 100% not understand how it works. They're going to 100% going to be blowing it all up. You're going, to hear these big, you're going to be hearing these big freak-out comments. You know, and 
I want you guys to be ahead of the curve, knowing the truth, knowing what's going on, so you can keep your emotions between your line, uh, between the lines. And when you come across an underwater owner that has to do a short sale, that you will be able to give them the correct information. Because going into next year, uh, depending on your market, you're going to be coming across more and more underwater owners. Uh, and again, you need to know how to help them. That's part of your job. And they're going to ask uh, for information like what we're sharing with you today. And maybe them, they themselves have heard these big doom and gloom stories, and they're confused about the whole process. And you guys know, especially when it comes to uh, under owners who are distressed, a little bit of confusion means they don't make a decision. And the result, the result is what? They lose the house to foreclosure. When you lose the house to, the, to a foreclosure, the ramifications, the negative ramifications for that owner, that borrower, are vastly more se- uh, severe than if they do a short sale. That was true five years ago. It'll be true five years from now. Uh, but again, if they're hearing and reading, which I am confident they will be, about these the, the dark clouds of deficiency judgments coming over the horizon, they're going to be scared not knowing what to do. So take this information so you can help more potential folks. So the last bit, Jules. Okay, perfect. And I just have to throw something in here, Tim. Before you guys think that this isn't going to be a conversation you have to deal with, keep in mind that two coaching calls ago before this radio show, one of my clients said the following to me. Gosh, I haven't done a short sale in about 24 months. I used to do them all the time, and now my next listing is a short sale. I got to get my brain updated. Okay, that's right. So don't think. In in our conversation was in any market, a normal market or otherwise, there's always short sales. There's always stuff going on. Okay. Now we're talking a little bit about previous short sales, but don't ever say about anything in real estate that you'll never see it again. It'll be your next appointment. I can almost guarantee it if you say that. Right. <laughs> the real estate guys <laughs> yeah, are keeping exactly. an eye on you. Okay. So. You, you might hear, well, it's counted as income. You hear this all the time. The canceled debt is not income, even if you receive a Form 1099-C, if the following things are true. Number one, you received the canceled debt due to bankruptcy filing, or number two, to the extent that you are insolvent immediately before the cancellation of debt. So what does insolvent mean? Very important you guys are clear on this term. Insolvency means your debts exceed the value of all of your assets. You can exclude canceled debt from income up to the amount that you are insolvent. For example, if you had assets of $80,000 and debt of $100,000, you are considered to be insolvent by $20,000. If you had $30,000 in debt canceled at the time of insolvency, you would have to include only $10,000, which is the 30 minus the 20000 in your income. So don't go around saying, oh, you know, that cancellation, it's going to be counted as income. You're going to have to pay taxes on that. I still hear that to this day. Well, me too. And, you know, guys, the the reality of it is, is most folks that are in the situation where they have, you know, where they're underwater on their house, they are technically insolvent. Now, you're not an accountant or an attorney, and we don't want you to act like one. But the reality of it is, again, that they're insolvent. In other words, there won't be any taxes due, period. End of conversation. Now, Please be clear, this is not a conversation about the Mortgage Debt Relief Act. We are, of course, following up with that. We're talking to the National Association of Realtors, Mortgage Debt Relief Act, the extension of it. Uh, I'm still fairly confident will get extended uh, back to its original cancel date of late last year. If you think about it, um, when it expired, essentially at the beginning of this year, end of last year, Anybody who had a short sale after that could hypothetically be subject to tax from the Mortgage Debt Relief Act not being extended. But when, how long does uh, the Congress and Senate have to extend it? Uh, they can go and extend it really at any time, up until hypothetically April 15th of the tax, you know, for the filing for the tax year for 2014. 
and make it retroactive. There's no reason to believe it won't get extended. Uh, there's every reason to believe that it's going to be a, a, you know, tied into some other politics and it's going to be drug out and Congress is going to procrastinate on it and it's going to be you know, a mess like most everything else seems to be in politics nowadays. Who cares? Not our problem. Reality of it is, is it looks like the Mortgage Debt Relief Act will be extended in California uh, you don't, you, this isn't even an issue. If you're in California or listening to this, the state has basically made it so they said that they won't be pursuing mortgage debt relief uh, and that basically, the long story short, because in California, there's no such thing as a recourse mortgage anymore. It's, I, I'm sorry, there's no such thing. Yeah, there's no such thing as a recourse mortgage, even if it was a refinance. So California residents, or California, the state of California is kind of leading the way for what other states will inevitably do with regards to how to treat a canceled debt, especially from a short sale or from a foreclosure. When you're in our short sale class, and by the way, if you're in any of our coaching programs, if you're in Real Estate Coaching Essentials, if you're in the Advanced Coaching Program or the Breakthrough Coaching Program, you get the short sale class for free. You just have to request it, and then the uh, our staff will basically make it so you get that content for free so that Julie's coaching client who's never done a short sale before or hasn't done a short sale in a long while, make sure you get access to that information because it's all the forms, the checklists, everything you need to know how to do to do a short sale. Very critical that you have that as a tool in your toolbox. You know, that's the visualization. You're going to meet with sellers. You want to have a toolbox full of tools. Even if you only use that tool once or twice, it's nice that you had it there to solve that particular problem. Always remember that. You want to have as many tools in your toolbox as possible. If your only tool is knowing how to list a retail house where the seller has equity, well, you're not going to be very valuable to very many different kinds of sellers. So when you're dealing with these types of issues, these types of questions, don't just believe the headline. Don't believe the hype. Certainly don't believe the other agents. Do your own homework. We've just done it for you. is this something to worry about right now? I would say no. Uh, major banks aren't pursuing deficiency judgments. When you're in our short sale class, we tell you how to add something into the final negotiation where the banks basically agree not to pursue the deficiency judgments. Uh, for the most part, uh, even if there's a, a tax that hypothetically is due, the owner was probably insolvent at the time that they did the short sale or had the foreclosure, so there probably won't be any tax due. So this is one of those topics that's kind of a non-topic. Because even if you go through all this litany of information, you look at all this stuff, right, and then you ask the seller, so Mr. Seller, what's your alternative? If you have to get rid of the house, you know, uh, can you avoid any of these things? Do you, do you somehow, I mean, by having to get rid of the house, you're forcing a decision. The decision is either a short sale or a foreclosure. So, yes, you have to kind of jump through some hoops regardless of what path you choose. But, you know, when you do a short sale nowadays, you guys know this, you can buy a house within 24 months after the close of the short sale. When you do a short sale, if you haven't missed any payments, your credit really isn't that adversely hit. So short sales have definitely become the de facto smart way to get rid of a property that's underwater that the sellers can no longer afford over a foreclosure. So really there's no reason that a seller still wouldn't want to do a short sale, which means you can take a listing, you can get paid your normal commission, and all the other benefits from a listing agent's perspective of doing a short sale. You know, you price the property for the most part. Seller doesn't arm wrestle with you about that. It's generally speaking the best priced property on the market, so it's, you know, perfectly positioned for the buyers to want to buy it immediately. You guys get all the benefits from this. Our call today wasn't about short sales. Our focus today was keeping you guys ahead of the curve about what everyone else is going to be talking about 60 to 90 days ago. So what do you do with this information? You just put it in your mind and you remember it. And you refer back to it when you need it. You just, If you're really interested in it, if you're still doing a lot of short sales, go on Google, do what I did, and do your own homework. 
Research this to the extent that you can then print out some information and give to your sellers and your would-be short sale clients so they can make an informed decision. The result of their decision will still be to list it with you as a short sale, but then they can have a little bit more information so they can feel more comfortable despite the, uh, you know, a drama-inducing headline like what Yahoo had, you know, the post-foreclosure right. apocalypse or whatever it was. I don't even remember the name of it, you know. So Zombie guys, deficiency judgments hunt you down or whatever it was. That's right. right? You know, they're going to fling a bull on you. You know, is America's face post-foreclosure <laughs> hell. That was actually Yahoo's title. What? You know, exactly. And then you read through yeah. it, then you go, ah, maybe not so bad. You know, yeah. maybe it's just a bunch of hype, and that's really what it is. Well, uh, so, so let, let me translate this yep. for a second because he, mm-hmm. here's the thing, guys. Our goal as your coaches or future coaches is for you to be able to say in virtually any real estate scenario, why, yes, it would be my pleasure to help you with that. Instead of having a response like, well, God, I haven't done a short sale in like two years. I don't know. Maybe I'll just refer you to somebody. That's not the right response, especially if, I mean, imagine if it's one of your past clients. So that's one of the reasons you have a coach. That's why it's important for you to have that resource at your fingertips, just like our regular one-on-one coaching clients, they can jump into our updated short sale material and know exactly what to do. They may not at the exact time that they receive that lead and have that conversation, have the confidence to handle it, but they'll at least have the confidence to say, yes, it would be my pleasure to help you with that scenario. That's right. And that's the bottom line. So guys, uh, tomorrow, I don't remember the topic, but I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Listen, a real Heartfelt thanks to all of you who have helped make us the number one real estate coaching radio show on any of the networks. Um, you know, we got more information back that we're tracking now for over 50,000 listens in October. That's hugely encouraging for us. We really appreciate it. And I know it's mostly because you guys like what we're saying, it's resonating with you. <laughs> you know, we're getting feedback that you guys are really thankful for our, our fresh, direct approach. I hear those types of things a lot. But really, guys, the bottom line is is that we are in a new real estate cycle. The, you know, I, granted, I know that many of you are still feeling the effects of the real estate downturn, but for the most part, the real estate markets are returning, and there we are in the very beginning stages of a real estate boom. And it is your job, it's your imperative as a business owner to really get your mind wrapped around the opportunities that this ever-improving real estate market should be, has to be for you. You know, if you don't have the motivation and encouragement to do it for yourself, think about all the people you can help starting with your family. Think about all the sellers you can help. Think about all your past clients. Think about the impact you can have on your community just because you have the mindset of service and you're going to go out there and help folks. You know, we talked about short sales today, and obviously that's a topic that where folks need a lot of help. They need a lot of specialized help. Guys, anything we can ever do for you, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Freecoachingcallsforagents.com. We're here to help you. We want to guide you. We want to you know, partner with you. We want to walk this path with you so you can get the most out of this new real estate boom. Anything we can ever do for you, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.